nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. I am excited to welcome you back to our show, Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I am Leanne Meyer. Our topic today is pregnancy, pre, peri, and postpartum. My guest is Brandi Patterson, who is the CEO of ProDoula, and uh, she appeared on this show on October 29th in 2018, and we talked about um, her finding her mission to be a doula, creating a successful business, and then finding uh, helping others to do the same. So we found a connection with each other and agreed to do another show. So despite blizzards and family crisis, and today there's high winds where Randy is, we have come together once more to do the show. Today's show has, uh, has to do with the little discussed aspects of pregnancy. A great majority of people <clears throat> focus on the pastels, what I call the pastels of pregnancy, the glowing pregnancy, all goes well, the baby is perfect, and bonding is immediate. But for a whole variety of reasons, this is often not the experience of every woman. So please welcome with me, Randy Patterson. Hi, I'm so happy to be here today with you. Yes, I'm glad we we were finally able to make it. Uh, Say a little bit about yourself uh, that will um, help them know a little bit more about you. Sure, it's my pleasure. I've been a doula for 22 years. Um, As a doula, I work both sides of being a doula. I work in uh, the, the labor side. So I'm there supporting clients physically, emotionally, and educationally through pregnancy and during the actual birth. And then also as a postpartum and infant care doula. So I'm also the lady who goes home with the client once they have that baby. So I, so in 22 years, I've really gained quite a bit of experience. I have attended well over a thousand births and I've helped That's hundreds great. and hundreds and hundreds of families on the postpartum side. That is wonderful. Uh, I, I can count how many people used to ask me, can you come home with me? And, you know, it's hard to say, no, I can't. There's, the next delivery is right around the corner here. So um, I was trying to think of some of the things, uh, just kind of in overview, I can remember many different cases where, you know, I think what comes up is, you know, there's so much pressure on women to be able to be the perfect mother, to be able to um, just smoothly and without any problems go through pregnancy. And that's just really a pretty unrealistic expectation. And I think women put a lot on themselves. Um, Anything you want to add about that, that you've experienced? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I I think that uh, when a woman becomes pregnant, especially for the first time, she feels very much like the only woman on earth who's ever been pregnant because that's Mm -hmm. her life experience. And I guess I'm always, uh, you know, I share this, I share this, this visual story I'll share with you. Um, You know, it's like, 
the, the ladies at work gather around the coffee pot in the morning or the water cooler and a bunch of ladies say to the newly pregnant woman or the woman who's maybe 20 weeks pregnant, like, how are you sleeping? Are you getting any rest? How are you feeling? And kind of open the door for her to walk through and share a little bit about what pregnancy has meant for her. And the minute she walks away, they say things like, oh, my gosh, she acts like she's the only person who's ever been pregnant. <laughs> so I think there's quite a bit of judgment from women to women. Mm-hmm. surrounding pregnancy. And I, honestly, I'm really not quite sure what that's about, if I'm being honest. Well, even in addition to that, it seems like uh, once the, the conversation is open immediately is, oh, you have no idea how miserable you're going to be and your feet are going to swell up. And they, they tell these brand new excited ladies, you know, that are excited about their pregnancy, all the horrible things that are going to happen. Sure. And that never, I, I just absolutely boggles my mind also why that happens. Yeah, that's um, right there with telling someone you have a daughter and they say oh wait till she's a teenager it's like there's a weird phenomenon in our culture where you know where we I I don't really know what it's about Leanne (laughs) I don't know why women do this to each other yeah it's true so what do you say to women when they uh first connect with you and I'm I'm assuming they have to be sharing their fears with you sure Well, my first approach to it is I treat her like she is the only woman on earth who has ever been pregnant, and I celebrate Mm. her pregnancy with her. So I think it just, I think as a doula, I I come from a different approach than, uh, you know, some colleagues at work or some family members. And, And I think that opens the door to feeling like, okay, this person is a safe person. She's not judging me. She understands and recognizes the nuances associated with pregnancy and maybe birth and the postpartum period as well. She's not sure at that point because she's still pregnant. Um, you know, so I, I think that there's so much so much to be said about just the kind of connection we plan to make with someone when we recognize that they're pregnant. Right. And if we can all, you know, think in terms of what was helpful to me when I was pregnant? What were the things that were said to me or what were the things that encouraged me? Um, that would be great. I, 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 it's almost like a competition to say, you know, who had the worst pregnancy or who had the worst time. Um, so we need to turn that around. And I think it might actually be something similar to where nurses uh, kind of, uh, we call it eating their young. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, very much so, so that's something we want to turn around. And so what are some of the phrases that say a woman is saying, you know, I'm not sure I want to be pregnant. I'm terrified of this. I've, I wasn't the person who played with dolls or, um, you know, did all of those girly kinds of things. And now I just don't even know what to think about this. Well, I, I guess I should probably say that when someone hires a doula, um, they're very deliberate about what what they're hoping for or expecting or wishing for. So, you know, so I guess while I, while I have experience with different demographics, the primary demographic of someone who's looking for a doula is someone who is looking to have a very deliberate experience. So maybe they've gotten past, I don't want to be pregnant. I'm going to say that most of the clients who choose to hire a doula or work with, with my group in particular, are people who are having planned pregnancies and, um, you know, are very hopeful about a particular kind of birth. 
Um, but fear certainly plays a role in it. And so, so I, I think that we do work through fears with our clients and we do help them sort of compartmentalize what's, what, they're, what they're afraid of and how they're going to get through it. Right. So you let them really talk about the fear, let that out and get it out of their brain and, and be able to address some of the real issues. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and no option is off the table. So if, you know, if pain is the fear, we don't have to like dig deep to try to figure it out. We can, we can talk about pain management. We can talk Mm -hmm. about different options for pain relief, whether they're medical or they're more natural, whatever the case may be. Like my job isn't to help a client make a decision. It's to help support a decision that the client makes. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so some of the things, I'm, I'm sure you have your own list of things that have happened and, and kind of along the line of things didn't go quite the way you thought. Um, I remember particularly a woman who came in and she had had um, four boys and she was so absolutely certain this was a girl. And she was delighted through her labor. She was, you know, willing and eager through the uh, right up until the delivery. And as soon as the baby wasn't uh, pronounced a boy, it was like she just went into herself and just like a major depression happened immediately. And of course, a lot of the nurses uh, made judgments about that. Well, she should be happy. It's, you know, the baby is okay and all of those kinds of things. So, uh has anything like that ever happened for you or, or how would you go about helping that woman to, to re, uh, reorganize her dream? Well, first I'll say that gender disappointment is a real thing. It is a real thing for people. And, um, you know, I, I think, I think that it takes a long time to sort through some of the feelings associated with it. When somebody has a baby, when someone's, going into a hospital to give birth, um, I don't think they, I, I don't think they think like my baby might not live through this experience mm-hmm. or I might not have a healthy baby. Mm-hmm. I think that, I mean, unless there's risk factors involved, certainly, but, you know, to kind of come at that person with the attitude that they should be grateful that they have a live, healthy baby. I don't think that one has anything to do with the other. I can be grateful that I have a live, healthy baby, and I can still experience gender disappointment at the same Mm -hmm. time. And I don't think it's one or the other. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think that, I think that the attitude that, you know, somebody has a C-section who hoped to have a spontaneous vaginal delivery, like, I don't think to say to that person, you should just be grateful that you have a live, healthy baby is a healthy approach. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, even, you know, what I realized at that time, too, is that she was literally grieving. I mean, almost as if that baby had died. Her dream of the baby had died. And so she really needed some moments, uh, you know, to be able to grieve before she could come around to saying, who is this person who has just come into my life? Of course, of course. Absolutely. You know, I think we, the media and these beautiful uh, photographs of mm-hmm. men holding their babies postpartum paint this picture of this instant bond. You know, like we're mammals and we bond with our young, but mammals also like 
also push babies out of their den and also eat their babies. You know know what I mean? Like, I I don't, I don't know. I think this, I think this assumption, this perception, this pressure that we're supposed to instantly bond with our babies. Like when that happens, it's beautiful. Um, And for, and for other women, it's a process and it's okay for it to be a process. And to put pressure on, on a woman who's just had a baby to feel or, or be a certain way um, is unrealistic. It's just simply unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess as those people are who are helping and supporting, I, I, I think probably the thing is, you know, to take our expectations away as much as possible and look at this as an individual. It would be like if a baby was not born, okay, the immediate thing that the nurses do and the doctors is say, what's wrong? How do we support this baby you know, toward life. So you're not, you know, thinking in terms of, oh, this should have been a, you know, perfect baby. You're looking at, okay, how do we help? This is where we are. How do we help? And I don't think we always do that when we're thinking about where the mother is at emotionally, uh, maybe even physically. Sometimes they have had a traumatic delivery and they are hurting and don't know what to do about it. I think the other side of it too is, Um, You know, we see gender disappointment and it's hard to understand if you haven't experienced it yourself or you you, or you haven't really dove into it. Um, But you don't typically see it when the baby is unhealthy or there's a problem with the baby. So it's something that's that while is, you know, a grieving process, it's also compartmentalized when the baby is unhealthy. I've never, ever in all my 22 years seen somebody have an unhealthy baby and say, a sick baby and it's not even a boy or it's not even oh. a girl. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know I'm like we have a healthy baby, you know, that's part of the plan. No one goes to the hospital expecting to not have that experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, you know, gender disappointment is, is very real and a lack of instantaneous bond is very real. And, you know, all of the other transitions of, that are going on, I mean, you know, a person walks on this earth as an individual for a really long time and then has a baby and makes this transition from woman to mother mm-hmm. and is expected to behave a particular way or feel a particular way. Like she's got some organizing to do of her own feelings before she can sort of project how she's feeling out to the world. I think that the other thing that um, you are definitely there for them is at postpartum. You know, you're going home and you, you're really tired. You may only have been in the hospital for two days or if you were in the hospital. And suddenly you're going home with this baby that, you know, many times women would look at me like, you've got to be kidding. You aren't going to send this baby home with me, are you? Sure. I remember feeling exactly that way. My husband and I were young and we got in the car and that baby was like buckled in the little car seat. And I thought, do they have any idea who we are? They should not be giving us this baby. Like it felt like the craziest thing in the world. And I remember, you know, at that point in my life, I hadn't made amazing decisions every step of the way. Um, And I remember feeling like I'm just going to do exactly what these nurses tell me to do. Whatever they tell me to do, I'm going to do because I don't want to mess this up. 
I just don't want to mess with, they said, feed this baby every three hours. That is exactly, every three hours I woke this baby up and I put my boob in its mouth and I was just going to do exact. you know, I, I, I joke with my kids and say, I'm going to wake you up every three hours because the nurse never told me when to stop doing that. <laughs> I'm sorry, that just tickles me. Um, we're coming up to a break and maybe this is a good place for us to take it. Um, so we will be coming back in just a couple of minutes. This is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. And I'm Leanne Meyer. I'm here with Randy Patterson, who is the CEO of ProDoula. And uh, we're talking babies. We're talking pregnancy, pre, peri, and postpartum. Join us on the other side of the break. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. If you like what you're hearing on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, consider supporting the show. In the one year since the show started, we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7,900% and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting. Whether you are looking to reach a regional, national, or worldwide audience, you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. It's the perfect platform. Contact Senior Executive Producer Tacey Trump today at 480-294-6421. That's 480-294-6421. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. 
Hi, we are back. This is uh, Leanne Meyer, and this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. Today, I have Randy Patterson, who is a doula, and she and I are talking about uh, pregnancy, pre, peri, and post. Um, So many times, what we've just been talking about is some of the frightening things that, that come up, and as a doula, being able to support that woman wherever she is. One of the biggest things that happens with a, a woman, you come in um, maybe even uh, just totally focused on having a baby and having that baby, and then all of a sudden you realize, oh my goodness, I'm a mother, what do I do now? So could you t- uh, speak to that a little bit, Randy? Sure, I would love to. Um, You know, what my experience has been both personally and professionally is that when we become pregnant, we are a woman who is pregnant. And when we give birth, we become something entirely different. We are now somebody's mother. And I think that there is quite a detachment that happens in most cases when a woman becomes a mother and begins to separate from who she was prior to becoming a mother. You know, I, I remember um, I remember the first time I became pregnant, and unfortunately, I miscarried that pregnancy, which was a devastating loss for me. Um, but I remember when I, while I was pregnant, I was in my first trimester, and uh, I have very long hair, very long hair, and I decided while I was pregnant that someone's mother doesn't have hair like this. Mm-hmm. And so I went and got my hair cut and I cut off all my hair to my shoulders and, um, and then I miscarried. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you, I felt like I lost my entire identity. Everything about who I was sort of like, I, I just didn't know who I was anymore. I mean, I, now I, you know, I mean, most people get a haircut. That's a pretty normal thing. If you've seen mm-hmm. my hair, I, I don't really get a haircut. <laughs> so, so I, now I look different and I, and I made myself look different because I was about to transition into motherhood, which this pregnancy was taken from me. And now I wasn't going to be that either. Um, fortunately for me, I became pregnant just three months later and had a healthy pregnancy and gave birth to my first child. But I checked out on who I was as I became, you know, who, as I became the mother of this child. And um, not only was that challenging for me, but imagine how my husband felt. Imagine my partner who had one, who had a wife uh, who, who originally was a girlfriend and became a fiance and became a wife. And we sort of like grew together and, he, how could he ever have seen this next transition coming? He just thought I'd be the same person, only I would have a baby now. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of how it happens for men, I think. Um, but everything about who I was, I didn't want to wear low-cut tops anymore. I felt like I should be more modest as a mom. Like it was, it was really a struggle to find myself as a mom. And I think that one of my biggest roles as a doula is to help women stay connected to who they are as they transition into who they're becoming. Does that make sense, Julia? It does make sense. And I'm wondering, is that a conscious uh, conversation you have? Or is that something you wait until they come up with the question? Yeah, well, I think one of the roles of a doula is to really ask some thought-provoking questions that help someone figure out... 
Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> that help people figure out exactly what's going on for them. And, um, you know, if, if no one asks, how do you get to a, a concept that large? So, yeah, I do sort of poke around at it. And, and I just sort of say things like, tell me a little bit about who you were when you were 20. You know, we're sitting in her home with the baby. She's maybe breastfeeding. She's finally achieved some level of success with breastfeeding. And, um, you know, we start talking a little bit. And, and I just say, like, tell me, about, tell me about how you met your husband. Tell me about this. Wow, you sound like a really cool lady. Like, you're not planning on letting go of any of that as you transition into motherhood, are you? You know, so, so we just kind of like through very casual, well, it starts as casual dialogue, but sometimes it goes really deep. Sometimes it's really hard to sell postpartum doula services because what, I mean, imagine if I said to you, look, Leanne, having a baby is going to be like a really difficult tra- transition for you. You could hire me. You could spend a lot of money and I'll come sit on your couch and talk to you. Won't that be great? Mm-hmm. Like hire me as your doula. Um, but really having Having someone come to your home and provide absolute 100% unbiased, objective, non-judgmental support and help you explore what's going on for you. I mean, the value in that is tremendous. I always tell women what I do as a doula, whether it's on the labor side or the postpartum side is I instill strength and I reduce fear. That's mm. what I do. And the way I do that is by building confidence and helping you sort through what's going on for you. That is so critical. I mean, uh, for most women, they feel like they want to have somebody who has gone through it before that they made it through and that they can encourage them in, in some of their more challenging times that they will go through it and they will get through it and it will be fine. Um, just what you were saying, having somebody there that is not judgmental. I mean, sometimes even your own mother, you know, if you've got some things you haven't worked through with your parent, um, they could come out in these critical times where all of a sudden you're back to being 12 years old and feeling like you're not measuring up in your mother's eyes. So, um, yeah, so that would be absolutely so important to have somebody there that just is looking at you as you are now and looking at you in a positive, not a negative. Yeah, and I think that um, I think that sometimes our friends and our moms and those women in our lives have a tendency to push their agenda on us because when we do what they say, it validates their own personal experience when That's they have true. their babies. That's true. And my birth and my baby is not about validating someone else's. It's about my own experience. And that's one of the things that a doula can really bring to the table. I can't tell you how many times I have been the labor support doula. And I know you all know this as nurses. And the woman who is in labor, her mom is there or her mother-in-law is there. And every opportunity the woman has to tell me about her experience, she takes it. Yeah. Now we're in the we're in the labor room and we're focused on Susie, but Martha just wants to talk about her own birth and her own experience and oh what it was like for her and you know we have to find a really nice and pleasant way to say hey Martha it's not about you. Mm-hmm. 
So what do you say? If I'm Martha, what would you say to me? Because that happens anywhere. All I have to do is say that I'm an uh, OB nurse or have been an OB nurse. And immediately I hear any given woman, whether it's in the supermarket or on the street or wherever, will tell me their whole story. Yeah. Well, I certainly get that too. I mean, you can't go on vacation and meet another couple at dinner and not have, you know, find out what you do and then hear, you know, every birth story that they ever experienced. And, you know, I just kind of sit there and I'm like, yeah, and then the baby came out. That's how they go. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) But, but when I'm in the birth room and I have, you know, I'm having this experience and, you know, the mom or the mother-in-law is like just you know, on and on about her experience. Um, you know, I just find a quiet moment and I say to the person who's in labor, I say, is it better for you if we all just stay present in this moment? So I kind of like, I just sort of ask a question to my laboring client mm-hmm. that sort of gives her the opportunity to settle things down. And if that doesn't work, although it's usually pretty effective, I will find a moment to say, I really want to spend, I, I really want us all to just put all of our energy into Susie and her birth experience. So I'd love to chat after she gives birth and hear all about your experience. But I think it's probably going to be best for Susie if we all just put all our energy into being present and in this moment. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that it's helpful. Um, <clears throat> you had brought up also that, you know, the woman feels like she's changing she went from uh, a girl, a young woman, a, a girlfriend, a fiance, and then uh, a wife. And then suddenly she's a mother who has a husband who still wants her to be that sexy wife. Sure. Um, and I think for men in the delivery room, um, it can be an absolutely terrifying experience. They don't know what to do. Many, many men just have never had the experience of supporting somebody else during a very emotional, difficult time. And they just don't know what to say or do. Sure. So what are some things you do to bring them in and help them feel a part of it? Yeah, well, I, I would say that the first part is childbirth education. So I'm also a childbirth educator. And, I, you know, I really... I, you can't force someone to take a childbirth education class, but but I think um, encouraging people to do that, especially partners, and giving them an opportunity to really like see what the options are. Like, are you a up north kind of guy, or are you like a get in there and see the whole thing? <laughs> so I think it starts with knowing exactly what his wishes for his experience mm-hmm. are as well. You know, a woman comes into the hospital. And a couple is having a baby. It's not just the, I know that the woman is your patient, but a couple is having a baby. And so, you know, when you ask all of the questions, all of the intake questions, when she's arriving, maybe it'd be kind of cool if there were some questions that were asked of the partner. Like, how much of this do you want to see? You know, I remember, um, I remember when 26 years ago, when I had my first daughter, my husband decided he didn't want to cut the cord. And, and I'm going to say that the nurse in the room, um, you know, sort of was unpleasant about that. She felt like that was his job. And that's the least a man could do is cut a cord. And his mm-hmm. reason for not cutting the cord was that he didn't want to be the person who separated me and our baby. And, uh-huh. it was, you know, it was something that was well thought and it was it had meaning for him. And. It was his choice, his decision for his experience. And um, I think it would be cool if there was a series of questions asked of partners 
so that everybody got everybody in the room who was caring for this couple who's having a baby got a sense about what what's right for him and what's comfortable for him or her depending on um, the gender of the partner right that's true too yeah I, I I could date myself but I remember before we had the the prenatal experiences and, and in, inviting uh, fathers mm-hmm. into the delivery room uh, it was sort of just starting that men were asking to come into the delivery room and I can remember the attitude of the staff at that time was what business is it of yours right <laughs> just think- pretty incredible I also think for some it's not you know I, I have had plenty of couples who um who decided that they didn't want their partner in the room and their partner decided they didn't want to be in the room look to me labor and birth aside from being about a healthy baby and a healthy mother and a healthy bond and a healthy mind because right we have to look at the whole woman um is about preparing for the postpartum period it's like the you know no woman has ever said to me like okay I wrapped up that birth I'm ready to start my postpartum period like this is (laughs) one big life transition and so you know it's always been my attitude that like I know how difficult the early postpartum period is I have spent more hours in homes of families who are experiencing it than most people ever do Um, and, and because I know that difficulty my goal when I'm at the birth is always to help build that bond between the partner and my client when possible in order to prepare them for the postpartum period, for the difficulties of the postpartum period. So if, and my goal is to make sure that this couple, or or not make sure, but my goal is to help this couple have a normal, healthy life after this. And if watching your wife give birth makes you not want to have sex anymore, that's not exactly. So we need to know about that so we can help support this couple, this particular couple, the way that it's best for them. Yeah, it, it really isn't an all or nothing. And um, when this first started to come out and it became the thing to do is have you signed up for your prenatal classes, um, for some men, that just is not a place for them to be because they they really do freak out and say, you know, I feel so guilty that I have put my wife through this and I couldn't possibly put it, her through it again. Right. And that's definitely not what the woman wants is to have her husband feeling like, okay, you're mom now. You're not my wife anymore. That's right. Or to have PTSD from seeing a woman's vagina do what a woman's vagina does when she gives yeah. birth and not <laughs> able to see it the same way again. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So join us on the other side of the break. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. If you like what you're hearing on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, consider supporting the show. In the one year since the show started, we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7,900% and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting. Whether you are looking to reach a regional, national, or worldwide audience, you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. It's the perfect platform. Contact senior executive producer Tacey Trump today at 480-294-6421. That's 480-294-6421. 
The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. We are back. This is Leanne from Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. And we're talking about pre-pregnancy, pre-peri, and postpartum. And I'm here with Randy Patterson, who is just so interesting. I always feel like I can just talk forever with you. Um, We had been talking about uh, some of the um, fears or the experiences that people have. And we're just touching on husbands. And I think before we get off of that, or partners that each person comes into the delivery room with a dream of what they think will happen. And it's almost guaranteed it's not going to be exactly what either of them thought. Um, What I used to encourage uh, families is to think in terms of uh, almost what's the worst that can happen, what's the best that can happen, and it will be somewhere in between that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think, um, you know, I think I might have said it the last time I was on with you. I, I used to work with um, this amazing certified nurse midwife, and she had this saying. She would say, open mind, open cervix. The moment yeah. we close our mind, that cervix closes with it. So, you know, so maintaining an open mind for the whole process is, you know, and being able to be flexible about things. Having a certain desire and knowing what you want is essential uh, in having a positive experience, but also recognizing when it's time to be flexible is certainly as crucial. 
Yeah. yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that, actually, because it reminded me of um, several times I've had with uh, with women, and I finally began to recognize it when they've, they've done just fine through the labor, um, maybe coming right up to the delivery, and it's time to push. And for whatever reason, they can't push the baby out. I remember one woman, all she had to do was cough, and the baby would have come out, and she just couldn't do it. And what I realized was that she um, had something not resolved, either with herself, with the husband, you know, whatever. And in that particular case, what she said to me when I, I just kind of got her focus away from everybody else and just said, talk to me, what are you experiencing? And what she said was that I, while I was pregnant, the baby was all mine. That's and right. I could dream and imagine anything that I wanted to. And that was what this person was. But now, if I bring the baby out into the world, suddenly everybody else wants to have a part of, of my baby. And the baby becomes a reality that may not match my dream. Sure. And it was like she had to say that before she could actually let go of the baby into the world. Yeah, yeah. And I, I've also had clients who say to me, like, I just feel like my baby is safer inside me. I can keep my baby safe here. You know, look, this human mind is no joke. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is no joke, this human mind. And I, and I just think, I think so much of this experience happens there. And we can talk about birth as a normal, natural, physiological function, but we cannot disconnect it from the brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? the brain and the heart. Yeah, so many things. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you is what are some of the things that other, as you're teaching, I know that you are preparing other women or, or are there men too that do doulas, become doulas? Yeah, there sure are. That's great. You know, it's funny. When I'm teaching, when I'm teaching especially a postpartum training, one of the things that I talk about is a lot of these, a lot of this transitional stuff. And I talk about how Many times I'll be in a client's kitchen and I'll be making her a cup of tea, let's say, or a snack. And, um, you know, the husband will come in and ask me a question like, when will she be normal again? Or, um, or I'll be in their home and, and they'll start to have a sort of a little spat between them. And, um, you know, so then the question I would get from brand new doulas that I'm training is, well, what do you do? What do you do if they start fighting and like yelling at each other? Well, the truth is that happens, and uh, that's part of the postpartum experience. I, I'm going to guess that that happens in, oh, millions of homes all over the world every day. Um, and, you know, and part of what we do as doulas is we kind of know when to lean in a little bit and when to lean out a little bit. And there have been many times where I leaned in in those experiences, and I helped couples navigate what was going on, um, you know, helped explain this is the new norm. This is, this is your new life. This is what this looks like. And you all have to work together as a team the best you can to figure out how to get some strategies in place, how to put some systems in place, how to, how to gain a little bit of predictability from your baby and from your relationship again. Like this, again, it's no joke. It's a lot of work. And, um, you know, I think this is one of those places where, Lots of new doulas are like, wait a minute, I don't know how I'm going to navigate that. Mm -hmm. Additionally, when we start talking about postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis in particular, you know, um, I I share some stories about, uh, you know, clients who I worked with, who I've worked with in the past who 
um, who showed postpartum signs of postpartum psychosis. And, you know, those are very scary stories. And I share some of those stories in my trainings because I want new doulas to be able to recognize the signs and symptoms of what is normal on the postpartum side and what is beyond the scope of normal. And mm-hmm. we always teach that anything beyond the scope of normal warrants a call to a provider. Um, but I think that when, gosh, you know what I really wish, Leanne? I'm going to tell you exactly what I wish. I wish that all nurses who focused on, uh, who had a focus in maternity or labor and delivery would take a postpartum and infant care doula training. Not because doulas know more than nurses, because that is hardly the case. And we have so much respect, so much respect for the nursing staff that we work with. But because we really tap into a whole different dynamic in our training. And when you take a postpartum training with pro doula, our postpartum and infant care doula training um, qualifies for 17 continuing education units with the American Nurse Association. So it's not just um, more knowledge. It's also continuing ed units for nurses who need to maintain mm-hmm. their lives, obviously. But, but there's just a different, we just spend 20 hours in our training really tapping into a whole different side of things. And, um, you know, and I, 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 guess, I guess my biggest wish is that, like, nurses really, like, understood all of what's going to happen as they get in that car they pack them up and they put them in that car and off they go and 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 there's this this emptiness this loneliness that comes after having these amazing women in the hospital caring for Mm -hmm. them and Mm -hmm. coming in and checking on them and you know there's this you know there's just this peace of mind and like I think to be able to just spend 20 hours really like digging deep into that experience could really prompt some great support in those 48 hours leading up to that person leaving just a a different level of support or a different, you know, a slight adjustment in that support. Does that make sense? I mean, no disrespect at all. No, that makes absolute sense. And I think always for nurses is we, like you said, we need to be open to different perspectives because there are just times when the perspective that we bring doesn't necessarily fit the situation. And so always being able to hear how other people have handled things or look at things, to me, always gives me one more tool in the toolbox when I come up to a situation that I'm really stymied. I don't know what to do or where to go. Right. And I I don't want to imply that, like, doulas have all the answers, because that's certainly not what I'm saying. Um, I just think that you know, I just think that the more layers that we can put on this, I don't know. I mean, I worked in a hospital as a perinatal technician on an OB unit, and I know how jaded you can become when, um, you know, when when people come with a certain attitude or this happens or that happens, and people just don't seem to understand the risk associated with whatever's going on, and they, you know, behave a certain way, and and I also appreciate and recognize that a nurse is a human being and that mm-hmm. she may have come to work on a really bad day when things at home are unpleasant or, or she may have just gotten a phone call from the school because one of her kids isn't handing in assignments or whatever else is going on. And then she's supposed to just shake that off and step into your birth room or your postpartum experience. And, um, you know, that's not always easy to do. <laughs> right. Um, I think that, this always comes back to me is about relationships 
And uh, every job, I don't care what the job is, is is ultimately and foundationally about relationships and how well we manage relationships. And a lot of people, it doesn't come naturally to them. Sure. And so when something is out of focus for them or something that's abnormal to them, they may they often can uh, just like freeze or feel like uh, they don't know how to resolve it. And so to me, I've done a lot of training on conflict resolution to just be able to have, again, more tools in the toolbox that when I come up against a situation, I have a little bit more idea of, is this just a problem between you and me? Am I perceiving this wrong? Um, you know, what could be going on? Is this a personality issue? Is this, there's something going on here that either I'm not addressing about myself, or maybe I need to ask the other person what's going on for you? Is there something you need to talk about? And I think definitely in um especially in something that is so fraught with emotion, ups and downs, as pregnancy and delivery and postpartum is. I think that that needs to be a conversation that couples and nurses are allowed to have that conversation and say, oh, it isn't just me, or oh, it's okay to talk about this. Yeah. What a healthy, I mean, what a healthy and mature approach to things, Leanne. Well, it's definitely bailed me out a number of times on things where um, I started out my life with getting into all kinds of of conflicts because I just couldn't quite get that it was, you know, the rest of the world didn't see the world the way I did and and, um, uh, lots of of misperceptions. So getting into that world of dealing with conflict has really, really helped. Um, Anything else? We're um, probably about five minutes or so out from the end of the show. So I just want you to have an opportunity. Is there anything you particularly want people to know about or um, maybe permission in uh, that things may not go the way you thought they would go and what you can do to kind of help yourself get back into the focus of, okay, what is going on and what do I do with this? Yeah, I mean, I think there's so much to explore when it comes to maternal mental health. And, um, you know, getting our new moms to a a healthy mental place. Um, I think that begins with removing some pressure, uh, removing some expectations and removing some judgment so that she feels like she has a safe place to kind of process whatever's going on. Um, You know, more women don't report postpartum depression because they fear their baby will be taken from them than any other reason. Really? don't talk about it because they're afraid if they seem unstable or unsteady or unable or unequipped or ill-equipped that their baby will be taken from them, removed from them. Mm-hmm. So, so they struggle in silence. I mean, I, I just, I find it hard to believe that the statistics on how many women are suffering from postpartum depression, there's just no way it's accurate. It's just, there's no way it's accurate. I mean, mm-hmm. There's just so many women who don't talk about this. And every single time I teach a postpartum doula training and I really talk about the signs and symptoms of postpartum depression, I can't tell you how many people say, I had that. I totally had that. And I say, oh, great. Did you talk to your doctor? Did you talk to your provider? Did you call a therapist? Did you call for help? No, no. Why? Why didn't you? 
The irony of that is that even people who are very educated, maybe even nurses who are in that situation of going into labor and delivery, it's like we lose uh, some of um, our confidence. You know, we're now in a situation we've never been in before, and we are afraid that other people are going to think we're not capable. And maybe we're thinking we're not capable. Well, I think I think it's uncharted territory. So you spend all of your time just thinking like, oh, I'm sure this will pass. I'm sure this will be better. Uh, maybe I'm just tired. Oh, it's just this. And we sort of like boohoo these feelings and kind of tuck them under the rug a little bit, expecting them to just go away on their own. Um, and because women so rarely talk about these feelings, when you experience them, you just feel so isolated and alone. You feel like, well, none of my friends had this. Not really true. They may have had it. They just didn't talk about it. So I think we're really doing women a disservice by not exploring this. And I appreciate you so much for opening the door to this conversation. I guess if nothing else, I just encourage people to speak up because uh, many times we, you know, maybe even like you said, you start out, it's just, I'm a little tired. This, you know, it's going to pass, but you know, it can be a long time of very, very exhausted before um, everything starts to come to a little more normalcy. So to be able to speak up and say, I'm having trouble. What's plan B? What's plan C? What's plan D? Um, and maybe have talked about that prior to the situation coming up because it's much harder at that time to create that conversation. That's right. And we have to remember that unless we have a cesarean section, we're not going to see our provider for six weeks. So we're in the pit of the postpartum period and no one's checking in on us. Yeah. So we need to make sure we've got those support people around us that we truly trust. So not just assuming it's going to be mom or mother-in-law or somebody, but really somebody we trust to be there with us during that time. Unfortunately, it's hard to believe, but we have come to the end of this session again. And um, I'm so sorry because I really do enjoy talking with you. And I know you must be just a wonderful support to your patients and to the, to the people who come to you to learn about being a doula. So um, I just appreciate you so much, and I, I hope that people will check out ProDoula. You do go all over the country, right, to do trainings? Yep. We're www.prodoula.com. All you have to do is request a training in your area. We'll put you on our schedule at a convenient time for you and bring a training right to you. We also have um, special programs for hospitals and nurse professionals. So we do discount rates for hospitals that are looking to bring this training to their facility to help their nurses um, continue okay. growth and earn their CEUs. So I have I have to break in because we have to go. So enough. this has been Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. This is Leanne Meyer, and I'm so grateful to be able to talk with you, Randy. Thank you. Have a great day. It was a pleasure. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.